help my DTC grow. Strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brand. How can e-commerce businesses thrive in a hyper-competitive era? Nemanja Kandic, the co-owner of Alta Solutions and Redwood Digital, is a seasoned expert with over 15 years of experience in e-commerce and digital marketing. Having built an e-commerce function from scratch, Nemanja possesses in-depth knowledge across various industries including consumer electronics, sporting goods, furniture and fashion. With his 360-degree strategic approach, he offers insights into areas ranging from technicalities to marketing design pricing and assortment strategies. Nemanja's experience also spans regional businesses operations across multiple countries. You will get the answers to the following questions. What has enabled brands to weather economic downturns since the 2000s? And what can e-commerce businesses learn from them? In an ever-evolving market, what strategies that are effective in the past are no longer viable for growth? And how can businesses pivot to stay competitive? As a D2C brand, how can you assess your potential growth and make the necessary changes for sustained growth? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I ask all my favorite questions at the end. Books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now let's get ready! I know there were ups and downs for e-commerce since the 2000s, but the environment wasn't as competitive as nowadays, as I see. What was the secret behind the brands that could survive the recession during these years and could maintain consistent growth? What could we learn about that for our own D2C brand? I think I will use one word and then I will explain a, a bit deeper, but that word will be together for all the conversation today, adaptability. I believe adaptability is the most important thing because if you look behind us, there was a time when let's take consideration like social networks, like the beginning of Facebook, you know, the organic reach was almost over 80%. So if you post something on your Facebook page, 80% of the people who follows you will see that post. And there was, of course, in some early days, like 2006, 7, 8, the applications for link for follow gathering. So you can post some photo contest where people will place their photos. But if someone wants to vote for them, they need to like your page. Of course, Facebook banned that after a couple of years. And yeah, there were some easy ways so you can get a really big amount of traffic to your e-commerce. And uh, if the e-commerce businesses and the persons who, who are running them were relying 100% only on that and not uh, observing the market, especially uh, some more advanced markets, what is happening there, they uh, will probably in a really short time come into the position where they don't don't know what should, should they do. So yeah, you need to observe what is happening, especially in the more advanced markets. You need uh, to diversify both your acquiring channels and your offers. And a couple of more important things uh, are, let's say, custom-centric approach. I know it's like a let's say, a lame phrase. Everybody likes to talk about custom-centric approach, but uh, nobody like wants to take care about their customers because I believe that there is the key. The customers are loyal to the good service. The good product they, they can find on the market, you know, they can find if we are talking about the global brands like, I don't know, Nike or Bosch or Lenovo, they, they can find the substitute on the market. Of, and if it is some 
let's say niche or, or, or specialized product, they can find some replacement product, but the good service cannot be replaced. And uh, in, in those terms, so we need customer-centric approach, not only to collect all the data about the customer that had with us uh, through various channels, but to know what to do in some critical situations, like when the customer has some complaint or how to handle it, or if you say the delivery will be two to four days, let's be the, at the most the four days. So uh, that are the most important things. And last but not least is the operational efficiency. Uh, we need to use technology in a way that the technology can help us. I will give you one example. I was the head of digital in the two companies a long time ago. One uh, was selling sporting goods, the other was selling consumer electronics. The number of orders they were processing per day was the same. Okay, But at one company, that amount of orders was handled by 10 people in another company was handled by 32 people. And what is the background story? The company that has a larger uh, staff didn't want to invest in uh, process automation, in some additional software, in, in some additional technology that could help them to make their operational efficiency higher and with less errors, while the company with a smaller uh, number of staff was investing in that. And th there is a catch for the decision makers or, or the stakeholders, because if some software uh, costs you, I don't know, 10K, 20K, 50K of euros or, or even higher, please place it on the paper, place it in some spreadsheet and see what benefits and cost cutting can give you in, let's say, 12, 24, 36 months. That happened here. Uh, the company didn't want, didn't want to invest in uh, operational efficiency. Because of that, they have a really large amount of operational staff that was handling orders, returns, and everything around that customer care, but with really a lot of human errors that are normal. Uh, we, we are all of us are, are making them. And at the end, at the end of the year, when you look in the, into your PNL, you will see a lot higher expenses in opposite to if you invested in, in, in some technology that, and, and process automation that could help you there. So yeah, adaptability at the first place and diversification, customer-centric approach, and of course, to observe your business from a bit higher perspective to see if I invest in something today, what it will bring me in some future times. What was the effective way in the past for growth that is a sudden failure now? The effective way in the past that is the sudden failure now, I believe focusing on the high amount of paid traffic that was cheap in the previous days. And of course, with the recession, the money also gets a bit expensive, even if it sounds like a paradox. But, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of investment, the interest rates were lower, etc. So companies or decision makers could spend their money on, on acquiring a new traffic to their website, regardless of how quality that traffic is or how long uh, it will last, because since we are operating in a couple of countries and continents, we can see 
that the discrepancies in cost per click are like 10, 20, 30 times higher in some countries if we are comparing them, let's say, to Southeast Europe, if we are comparing UK or Canada or US with this region, then you can see what is happening there. And that will also happen here. It is just a matter of time. That also relies on, on a thing I mentioned at the beginning, to observe what is happening around you, not only to focusing on your internal things. So yeah, I believe that the cheap traffic is gone and we need to, let's say, focus on more quality traffic and of course with that to retention, but I believe we will go uh, uh, to the retention a, a bit later in our conversation. Yeah. And what do you think? How to examine my own D2C company to be sure that I have growth potential? What should I change to be in the race constantly? Maybe the first couple of things is to look at your market. What is your target market? To analyze it, to see where are the gaps in the market. So that gaps can provide your company a really high and potentially not so costly growth. So if you're seeing that there are no competitors, that nobody is offering some kind of service or a product that you have, that kind of gap can bring you a really high and fast growth. Of course, you need to focus on your customer needs. And uh, in terms of uh, growth strategy, I believe most of the company needs to diversify their acquisition channels. So if you are relying solely on one kind of channel, so if you are a push company that, are, uh, that is only relying on some social media like uh, Facebook or Instagram or nowadays uh, Snapchat and TikTok, maybe you should rethink uh, to also include into your growth strategy some of the pool channels like Google search ads or of course Bing ads and maybe some email marketing strategy that can help you to diversify your acquisition channels, diversify your traffic channels and in that way to be in a bit more secure position for the future. You mentioned retention and also customer-centric uh, focus. These two are connected also with acquiring new customers. So if you are a customer-centric brand, you have a good chance that you will acquire new customers and have a good retention strategy. How to do it parallel with uh, with customer-centric focus? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I, I will try to answer it and not sound like some guys from politics or something like that. Because there are really a, a lot of different ways and strategies. It really depends how are you start starting. Do you have some redistributed or money that, that you can use for the growth or you need to grow organically? You can take the example of Zara, like the global brand, you know. They are accepting all of the returns. So they are not questioning it. Did you make the stain on the t-shirt? Did you do some damage to, to their goods? They are just giving you another product in exchange because at the end of the day uh, as i mentioned at the beginning they calculated somehow in their pnl that the staff who should do the customer complaints and the exchanges and the i don't know rating uh, should we take this cost or this cost should be on the customer at the bottom end will be more pricier than just to exchange the goods because if if you're uh, observing like the fast fashion companies like zara is one of the biggest if not the biggest their return rate is somewhere from one to three percent of total turnover and they strategically make a decision okay this is something that we want to take like a cost on us 
Of course, we will control it not to go too much higher about that 3%. But that is one of the examples how you can do your customer-centric approach. So they are not questioning it at all. Just give me the goods, I will give you the goods, that's all. Of course, we have a lot of uh, another examples here uh, in this part of the world when if someone is uh, ordering, I don't know, sneaker size 42, they are sending also 42 and a half and 41 and a half together with that package, allowing customer to try the sneakers and then returning the two pairs back to the merchant. Because at the end, of course, it is the game of numbers. Uh, they concluded by some deeper analysis is that it is cheaper for them to send you three pairs, even if it is a sneaker or a t-shirt or whatever, and in that way to exclude all of the returns, to exclude all of the communication with the customer, the customer frustration to have the, to, that needs to ship you the goods back, then wait, I don't know, a couple of days to receive another goods and potentially have some additional delivery costs. And that is also one of the examples. In terms of, let's say, retention of those customers, we have a really a, a lot of different ways how we can do it through some uh, email marketing automation tools, through some reviews and recommendation tools. For example, uh, one of the biggest struggles, uh, one of the industries that is having the biggest struggle in how to scale fast in e-commerce is uh, beauty and cosmetics. And there is a, a logical reason for that, but I didn't think it before uh, I have a client like that. That is the only vertical, but only vertical except groceries. So only groceries and beauty and cosmetics. When you, as a customer, receive your delivery, you cannot try it. If you try it, you cannot return it. The sneakers, you can try it. The suit, you can try it. The TV, you can try it. The PlayStation, you can try it. Everything you can imagine except cosmetics and beauty together with groceries, you cannot try when you receive it. And that is that was a really big struggle for that vertical, how to scale their sales, how to avoid all of those returns in situation when if you are buying some perfume from, from some brand and that brand runs a, a new campaign for a, for a new product in their line, how you should pursue your customers to buy that new product. They didn't have the opportunity to test it. They didn't have the opportunity to try it. Of course, there are always some comments like, okay, with every delivery, send them some testers, uh, allow them to test your goods, etc. And the way that industry shifted and saw that issue was through the reviews and recommendations, but not reviews only like one to five stars, but more like, okay, they included video and photo reviews. And when the customer buys something, they, together with a review request, they were sending them via email. They also asked them to rate the products in a couple of, uh, let's say, verticals. Is it for dry skin? Yes, no. Is it for damaged skin? Yes, no. If it is a perfume, is it a nutty uh, smell? Is it, uh, I don't know, flowery smell rated from one to five? And in that case, the new customer, when the new customer lands to your website, he can see how the product looks on a real person. 
you can see what problems that or where the products help that, that real person and what are some specifics from the real users that gave you their opinion and their attitude. So not only the things you are getting from the vendor, from the specification, you know, but the experiences from the real persons together with photos and videos. And there are tools today that can integrate to any major global e-commerce platform in, in terms of, let's say, hours that allows you to do that. And of course, today, I believe we will also use a lot of the word omni because here you can use those videos and photos generated by your users uh, to use them as user-generated content for your social media, where you will get some additional trust, some additional social proof from your audience that is really, really important in today's world uh, of mass advertising with the customers always thinking, is this real or is it just a good campaign? So for beauty brands, they could figure it out somehow that how could other people try it out? And it's almost the same if you tried out the product. But uh, for other D2C brands, what are the basic things that needs to be done before scaling up or growth? You mentioned flexibility, customer-centric moves, uh, adaptability. But what are the basic things that they need to do before growth. One of the most important things when you start working on your e-commerce, on your store, is to choose the proper technology that you will build your store on. Because if you make a wrong decision, then adaptability, scaling, and flexibility will not be able because the system or the software you are using is not allowing you that. So that is one of the most important things. So we still have the situations that we have a really large number of custom-built e-commerce solutions that are all in one. So one big monolith e-commerce solution that is custom-built, where any change takes time, a lot of time, and a lot of resources and money. So I believe that is the first step of choosing some of the available SaaS platforms here on the markets or on the global markets. Is it, I don't know, BigCommerce or Shopify or something like that, that allows you to scale fast and that allows you to be flexible. Let me give you an example. If you're using some custom-built platform and you're currently sending all of your email campaigns and newsletters uh, via MailChimp, if you want to switch to something like, I don't know, Klaviyo or Dot Digital, that are more advanced platforms than MailChimp, you will need probably a couple of months, if not more, of custom development to integrate your custom platform to any of those mentioned before, and that will cost you really a lot of money because it is custom. If you are using some of the e-commerce solutions I mentioned before, that is just the thing of installing a plugin and setting it up, and that's about it. So you as a merchant or as a brand have your business in your hands. You're not relying on some third-party custom development company. You can choose, okay, now it's the right moment for me to switch from, let's say, MailChimp to Klaviyo, 
because the MailChimp is not satisfying the needs of my customers because that's maybe the main point why brands and, and, and in general e-commerce ecosystem has changed. We have a good years before, before the COVID, really stable e-commerce growth, then the COVID happens. And that make a big confusion to uh, a really large amount of e-commerce, uh, let's say brands and merchants, because everybody's e-commerce exploded. But it exploded because of the circumstances. It was COVID. Everything was in lockdown. It is not uh, paying you for your previous effort. You know, it is just the circumstances that occurs at that moment. And that uh, make the company uh, to be in some gray or, or blurry position where, where they potentially think, uh, okay, this now works. Let's keep doing what we are doing before and they were not doing a lot of things and i'm giving that as an example and during that period we experienced a lot of different things like delivery to the parcel shops contractless delivery really a large amount of customer habits and needs that has changed in a really small period of time and if you don't have a technical or technological possibility to switch and to adapt to the customer needs, then you are going down. Then somebody else, some of your neighbors, some of your competitors will take that position. That is how that gaps in the markets are created because someone is not able to answer the customer needs at a specific moment and cannot solve that in some reasonable time, then the gap is created and that gap will be filled in. It's just a question who will fill it in. What do you think? Does growth mean profit, revenue or something else for an e-commerce brand or D2C brand? <laughs> Again, a political answer, it depends how your funding works. So are you highly uh, reliable on the cash flow or the profitability is something that uh, is important for you? As mentioned before, like in sporting goods industry, you are ordering this summer the goods that will arrive in the next two years. So at this summer, 2023, every sporting uh, reseller, sporting goods reseller is ordering goods for the summer 2025. And they are paying it upfront. So those kind of businesses are heavily relied on the cash flow. They need to have the stable cash flow or the stable funding either from investors or from banks or anybody else. Some of the other verticals are heavily relied on, on a profit. But here is maybe the main thing that the brands should observe. If you do your homework well, so you do a good market analysis, you do a good gap analysis, you have the customer-centric approach, so you will do anything for your customer. You have a proper customer acquisition policy, so you diversify your channels, you diversify your communication, you are talking on a different places in a different tone with a different type of the customers because your customers that are on TikTok or, and on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Instagram and on your YouTube channel are totally different in terms of their needs, in terms of their behavior, and really in most of the cases in, in terms of demography. So you need to have a different type of communications through all of those channels or places or however we call them. So if you do all of that uh, of your homework and you do the good retention through some, I don't know, 
reviews through some automated email flows like cart abandonment flows, like happy first anniversary, happy first purchase, happy birthday, thank you for being with us, etc. You will have some growth. It will be in the most of the cases stable, but at one moment you will come at the moment where you cannot grow anymore. And then you need to rethink what to do next. Should I expand to some other markets like some emerging markets? We can talk about emerging markets like we have here. I'm from Belgrade, Serbia. So we still have two digits growth in e-commerce sales year over year. It is not stopping. And if we are looking some other markets like, I don't know, Netherlands, it is not like that. We see some drop, especially in 2022 because of the recession, etc. So should I go to Serbia and sell there? because they are still growing high? Or uh, should I expand my product portfolio with some new products? But most important thing, if we are talking about the acquiring part, if we were only focused on ROS, so return on the ad spend, we would have a really high profitability on those ads, on those marketing activities, but with not so big amount of new customers acquired. So we will talk mainly to the customers or visitors that already knows our brand, uh, that will buy at our website at uh, the lowest cost per acquisition, because we are always targeting, you know, the higher ROAS written on the ad spend. And maybe in that moment, when your growing has stopped and you're only playing it in one position, uh, maybe it is time to rethink, okay, now I want to pay customer acquisition above my profitability percentage. So I want to pay my customer even more than I earn or even more than the product costs because I do I did my homework at the beginning, as I mentioned, so I have a good technology, I have a good retention policy, I have a good customer-centric approach, my service is good. Okay, if I acquire a new customer at a higher price, I know that some amount of those customers, and we are always aiming to some higher amount, will stay with me and that acquisition will pay over time. So those are some maybe examples what to do in the situation when your scaling and your growing stops and you don't know what else to do. Maybe so look at the emerging markets, try to look at your product portfolio and of course rethink your customer acquisition policy, maybe to shift from return on the ad spend and lower cost of acquisition to the higher cost of acquisition if you are able to acquire a really new customer. I heard from professionals that if you want to grow, don't expect that the cost will be the same when when you started. Yeah, in those terms, (laughs) it depends what is important. Is it the revenue? Is it the profit? We have some examples of some, let's say, really big marketplaces here in the region where the investors are heavily investing in them, but they are preparing them and they are just building the inputs, you know, the higher traffic, the higher CTR, uh, not, not looking at the profitability at all, because they are aiming to sell the whole business in five years. It really depends on, on how you are approaching to your business. What is your final goal? You know, but I believe that the basic steps in terms of, let's say, choosing a technology, being customer-centric, choosing the right acquisition channels, choosing the right retention policy, 
cannot be skipped. Those steps can be shortened if you have some experienced guy that can guide you through them. But you cannot skip, you know, <laughs> I, I will give you a stupid example. When you are born, you cannot start running with Hussein Bolt, you know. <laughs> you, you need to go through all of your phases to be mature as a business so you can move to the next steps. We have some examples here, like it is like placing the solar panels on your house and your foundation is not good. So we need to go step by step. We cannot skip some steps. We can only make those paths between the steps faster if we have some either internal or external knowledge to some consultancy that can help us to overcome. If you had the time and energy to write a book about D2C brands, e-commerce brands, uh, what would be the title of it? Adapt or die. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. <laughs> I, I think that if we are observing uh, everything, uh, so I, I mentioned before the technology that I think that is really important for everybody that is on e-commerce or digital because we cannot ignore technology, but we cannot also be frightened of technology. You know, today is talking about chat GPT and everything that is happening with artificial intelligence. And a lot of people are imagining in their heads the Terminator and that we will need Sarah Connor to save our lives at the end. I think we need to embrace that and to use it. That new technology will allow us to grow faster with them because if we are ignorant and thinking okay uh, that is something that is happening there i will rethink my own way i believe my humble opinion is that it is the, the wrong way but you know the time will show but yeah i started to talk about technology as mentioned before we had those and we still have those custom built monolith e-commerce solution and if we are comparing them with today's microservices flexible and modular e-commerce solutions like the ones i mentioned to you before it is easy to understand why these old ones are still there and why the new ones are emerging and uh, are here you can think about that like about the human evolution, you know. 2,000 years ago, you had one guy in your village that was your medic, your priest, your psychologist and everything for you, you know. But the lifespan was 45 years and it was not so quality life. The e-commerce as everything else has evolved and today we need a specialist in each of the verticals in, I don't know, recommendation, in uh, reviews, in email uh, automation, in order management system, in deliveries, in payment options. I will give you one simple example. Can you guess the percentage of payment options that are available in Serbia via either on e-commerce, via either Apple Pay or Android Pay? I think maybe there is a 30 percentage. Below five. Oh. Yeah, below 5%. And the reason for that is highly relying on the, you know, safe corner. We have this. Don't change it. It didn't break. Don't change it. To get back to your question about the book, uh, I, I don't know. But something about, you know, evolution and adopting and, and evolving. Because without that, I think like in any other industry, 
you will fail. I, I don't want to talk, let's say, about, you know, in, in a motoring industry, there was some saying about uh, the Ford that uh, if he was listening to the people, he would make the bigger carriage with uh, more of the horses, but he built the car. Yeah, but that same company, Ford, was overtook by Tesla, you know, today. Even with their mentality of their founder, with uh, relying on innovation and on the new things, something happened in between. And they were overtook by someone who saw the gap that we were talking about earlier in the market. Ford and the other car manufacturers make that gap. They, that gap didn't show or happen by itself. And someone saw the opportunity and took it. So, and so now everybody of them are trying to came there and to compete. But, you know, someone, if someone is ahead of you and has the bigger uh, percentage growth, compared to you, you cannot be in the same position with him anymore. I couldn't agree more. Last but not least, I want to give some seeds and nutrition for D2C brands to grow. So I will have four quick questions and I want some quick answers from you. The first is, what books or influencers would you recommend to read or follow for a D2C brand? Neil Patel from Influencers. From the books, I think that the things are happening too fast today that let's say I, I will give some uh, advice it is better to do anything even if that you are doing is wrong than to do nothing because the things are happening so fast and uh, even if you do something that is wrong you will learn from it if you are not doing anything then someone will overcome you so because of the fast moving things that are happening on the market i will not focus maybe on the books but more for people to follow what is happening in the global technology giants. So please read the Meta blog, please read the Google blog. You can find there a really good advices and really good trends that, that can be applied to your business. Great. The second is, what is the biggest mistake that D2C brands could make, the single biggest one? Thinking that the quality and the uniqueness of their product is enough to scale and build their revenue. We, as an agency, and especially uh, as a consultants, uh, saw that more than 10 times that the people invested so much money and the energy and their whole focus was on their product. And that is great that products are tremendously good, exceptional, but nobody knows about them. Yeah, in, in Middle Eastern Europe or Eastern Europe, we are tend to have uh, crazy scientists who end up with no money. So <laughs> we know this in Hungary and also in Serbia. Yeah, in that cases, because they uh, lost so much time and invest so much time and energy in their products, they are observing that as their second child. And uh, nothing you can do about that. You cannot question any preference or, or possibility of that product. But that is on the one end. Only one end. You need to advertise or to make some attention, to make some traction to that product, to their, to your website, so anybody else except you and your employees knows how good that product is. So I, I believe that is one of the biggest mistakes. Yeah. The third is, could you tell me your quick growth tip related to D2C brands? Combine your growth strategy to, uh, together. So push and pull together. You cannot rely only on the push medias like social networks where you need to 
create tension and create need for your product or service. You need to combine them together with pool places and uh, services like it is Google or, or Bing or some uh, remarketing tools. But uh, in order to get uh, your remarketing or retargeting strategy, you firstly need to create some quality traffic to your website. So rely, start with the push, include pool, upgrade it with the retargeting strategies, and then mix all together. Because if you are relying uh, only on one channel at the first place, you're in a not good position because everybody knows what will happen next year. All third-party cookies data will be gone and we need to adapt to that. And uh, because of all of that, you need to diversify your traffic channels and you need to keep as much and focus as much as you can on your own content. If you are observing the whole channels that are generating traffic to your website, the only ones that are in your possession are your website, your blog on your website, and your customer database. Everything else is a third party. With everything else, you are in a high risk that some, I don't know, policy will change, that you will break some policy that something will happen with that company. We have example of a couple of maybe months, month and a half ago, that one of the biggest US banks go bankrupt. We are observing those technology giants like some things that will never go down. But those are the companies just like your company or my company that can go bankruptcy. And uh, then your traffic channel, your revenue channel that generated you 5, 10, 20% of your traffic and revenue until yesterday, is simply cut down in a day. So focus on your internal channels that can uh, generate you uh, a traffic and revenue, and those are your websites. And of course, they're with the, the, the products and categories and, and everything you need to pay attention on with your blog and with your customer database. And the last question is, what tools would you use as a DTC brand for growth? If you're starting, I, I would choose for the platform something like BigCommerce or Shopify. If you are just starting for some, let's say, conversion rate optimization, uh, uh, if you are just starting, I would go with uh, probably some of the solutions that are available there that are like uh, optimum that can help you increase your conversion rate, the amount of time that uh, the customer is spending on your website. For the email marketing and automation, I would use Klaviyo. For the reviews, I would use, let's say, Yotko. There are also loyalty part in there. For the customer care, uh, I would probably use Gorgeous that can automate most of your processes. And uh, later, when you are grown enough, I will always recommend to use Cementify for AI product recommendation and, and uh, search. And uh, in terms of channels that are generating you uh, some traffic, of course, there is Google, Meta, TikTok, if everything goes well with it, because it is kind of not, not so good period if you're talking about Europe and US for TikTok. And uh, Snapchat is in a really high expansion, especially in these markets. Yeah, focus on, on your content, on your blog, focus on your customers and yeah. Thanks, Nemanja, uh, for accepting my call and giving this tremendous amount of value for the listeners. No problem. Thank you, Miklos, for uh, allowing me to share my thoughts about uh, D2C in general. And don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.